It's November 26th, Kathleen. We've had a raging response over the past two days, right after Kenny announced that he would continue inching towards a pandemic response. And on the 24th, Kenny made the announcement that grades 7 to 12 would continue online as of November 30th. Masks would be mandated in Calgary and Edmonton, of course, two cities that already had mask mandates in place. He also made in-home gatherings illegal, but stated that bars, restaurants, and casinos will remain open with minor restrictions, such as maximum of six to a table from the same household. Churches and retail spaces will be limited to 25 to 30% of their fire code capacity. Time to talk about the mink zombies yet? (laughs) I think we'll leave the mink zombies for a moment. Uh, But (laughs) if it wasn't enough fodder for conversation with our two guests today, the CBC's investigative team of Charles Russell and Jenny Russell pulled the pin and lobbed a grenade at the UCP with the release of a synopsis. And it was a synopsis of leaked recordings from meetings between Dr. Hinshaw and her staff about the pandemic response. This release was from June, but it ignited quite the debate, and I'm absolutely on the edge of my seat to dig a little deeper with our guests today. So no mink zombies, but that's <laughs> that's okay because I am uh, very excited for the conversation we're about to have with our two guests, both of whom are well-informed, are well-known in the Alberta Ledge social media community. And news is happening as we record this. Literally, news is happening as we record this. We delayed our start time by a little bit so that we could catch uh, Dr. Hinshaw's presser and hear what she had to say about the leaked audio tapes. And wow, is this bad? (laughs) This is bad on so many levels that I don't even know where to start. Well, we would like to welcome two women who are very familiar with the topic of public health as well. We have Lorian Hardcastle, who is an associate professor in the Faculty of Law at the University of Calgary. She's got a joint appointment to the Department of Community Health Sciences in the Cumming School of Medicine. And she has a health law and policy specialization. Welcome, Lorian. (laughs) Thanks for for having me. I'm I'm really excited to to be here and to talk to you guys about what's been been going on over the past uh, few weeks with the management of the the pandemic and of course, the blockbuster revelations from, from CBC today. Yeah. And we also have with us Dr. Jillian Ratty, who is a family physician and clinical lecturer with the Department of Family Medicine at the University of Calgary. Welcome, Jillian. Thanks very much. I'm really excited to be here. Should be fun. Mm -hmm. So are we going to get straight into this? We're going to talk first about the CBC's article. I'm excited to tackle this one. It has been also a raging debate all over social media. I've been paying attention, looking at you know, the people who are on the it pro side. It has been a day. It has been a day. Yeah, people aren't talking about uh, Jason Kenny's <laughs> announcement anymore. <laughs> no, and, you know, let, I mean, let's get right into it. Um, I, I think this is bad on many levels. Uh, I, when I first clued into the story early this morning. Oh, well, my initial reaction was, yay, finally someone is speaking out. Someone is finally going to get the the truth to the people, power to the people. But as the day has worn on, I've become more and more concerned about 
the effect this is going to have on public trust in our government during uh, a national crisis like we've not ever seen before in our lifetimes, uh, public trust in the CMOH, and uh, I, I, who do we trust at all anymore? Who do we trust? I mean, there's a part of me that wants to think, you know, there's big problems internally with this government if someone went to this length to release information to all of us. But then there's this other part of me that is questioning what good comes from this now. Because I don't know how any good comes from this leak of conversations that occurred over the summer. You know, that's what we're learning now. This isn't even recent stuff. This is over the summer. So, oh gosh, we're in a mess. All right, ladies, go. <laughs> <laughs> well, you so, know, I think that when, you, when you're talking about, um, I sympathize because yeah, that's really, I think it's more evidence of us losing trust than it is something that is going to make things worse. I think it is, a result of the UCP behaving in such a way that we can't get good information, that we can't have a, a, a rational discussion even with them openly. I think we're at a point where the whistleblower was inevitable because people can't get information any other way. So yeah, I think it's absolutely, it's a milestone in a, a process of, la of increasing lack of confidence in government and in the public health response. Um, but overall, I, I absolutely cheered it. And I, I still do because it's like, oh my God, finally, somebody couldn't cope anymore. They finally, <laughs> le like they, somebody finally thought, oh, it's too much, I can't do it. Yeah. Because I've felt that way for so long. <laughs> so I guess I, there's some sort of catharsis for me on a very personal level when that sort of thing happens and and uh, you know in many levels I wish we were in a place where we had trust in our government trust in the public health response and under those circumstances I would be a lot less impressed with a whistleblower here mm -hmm. but at the end of the day we are where we are we're with a government that's just quite corrupt quite secretive quite happy to do whatever it wants without justifying themselves too much to anybody and I don't know how else we could get this information. So. Yeah, and you know, you, you bring up a very good point uh, about trust. One thing that has really been weighing heavily on me is we have a government that has relied on convincing their base that science is flawed, that has campaigned on telling voters that that climate change is a fraud and we shouldn't believe the scientists. And they've got this little handful of scientists who say it's a fraud. And now they are expecting people to trust the science and show personal responsibility. So for me, this leak today is it's what the government has done to themselves along the way. Their, their lack of transparency from the moment they took office has been disturbing. And they've taken specific legal action to protect themselves from having to be open and transparent, i.e. the war room. But a, a government that has come into power on the back of science denialism 
is now trying to tell the populace to believe in the science while they themselves often question the science. And the result is these leaked audio tapes to the CBC and that erosion of trust that it's not new, but it's definitely worsening. It's not going to get us through this pandemic And that is my concern. I'm not concerned with the whistleblower specifically. I'm concerned that the internal problems in this government have now reached a tipping point where their own are leaking information. One of the things that that occurs to me with this, with the leak that really disturbs me is that these videos were from June and the, the government's response I mean, the numbers were much lower in June and maybe it was more reasonable to, to strike this economic versus versus public health balance in some ways in June. But what is going on at this point? That's the thing that truly terrifies me is as the numbers have gotten worse, we're still uh, we seem to still be valuing the economy over over public health. And I, I just wonder at what at what point are we now with with the government um, maybe steamrolling the chief medical officer of health, ignoring her recommendations and so I'm concerned with just how unsafe this has become since June. It was bad then, but the point that we're, we're at now is, is just shocking that we're, we're valuing ideology. Because look, let's be clear, the mask, the mask issue and the gathering issue are pure ideology. There is no, there's nothing economic about me wearing a mask or not at the store. There's nothing economic about me having friends over. And, and to not have even had those recommendations in place. And I can't imagine that Dr. Hinshaw wasn't recommending those things. Mm-hmm. And, and so to me, oh, she we're, was. we're yeah. at a point yeah. where this has nothing to do with, with, with public health. And, and all governments do have a difficult balance to strike between the economy and the public health issues. But with our numbers, you have to be prioritizing, prioritizing public health. And there's no evidence that, 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 that they are. And these, these recordings, I can only imagine what they would sound like if they came from, from this month. Yeah. Right. Well, I, I, I'm wondering too, um, how much of Kenny's mock down hashtag mock down Alberta, as it's being called online, (laughs) I'm wondering how many of the measures are actually about protecting the economy and how many of the measures are really about pandering to uh, a vocal and powerful minority in this province, the JCCF faction, the John Carpe faction. Because one thing I found in politics is if you want to know where the true seat of power is amongst the populace, look to whom is being pandered to by any specific leader or any party. And we are really seeing a pandering to that far right rural faction. And that concerns me because that's a a community that is already awash in science denialism, already perhaps doesn't have... um, access to the information that a lot of urbanites have and Jason Kenny not being willing to stand up to that faction would lead one to believe that that's where the power really is in this province. That's where the donors are. That's where the UCP base is. And if though, if that's the faction that is going to chart our course through this pandemic, we're in big trouble. I think you can. I think you can see from the restrictions that there's pandering to rural voters because they're exempt from from many of the the new restrictions, and I think that's just 
crazy at a time when we're mere weeks away from people leaving Calgary, leaving Edmonton, going to visit their relatives in small towns. And they may not have cases now, but they sure will after Christmas. Yeah. And I actually talked with when Brooks was having their um, outbreak and I spoke with the mayor, uh, Barry Morishita. I was doing a story. I was hoping to compare it with what was going on in High River and Cargill. And High River Mayor did not get back to me. So, uh, <laughs> but one of the things that, that Barry had said was that their cases were all right until after about two weeks after Easter. And he said that's when they really started to see the, the jump. But bringing it back to what's going on right now, one of the things that, that I had looked at was the fact that, yes, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? A lot of people were calling for some measures a while ago. We didn't get them. And, like, I get that Jason Kenney and the UCP were not elected to deal with public health. They were not elected to preserve public health. They were elected to to wrap Alberta in this warm blanket and bottle feed them these visions of an of, of a market that is suited specifically to Alberta's needs. Mm-hmm. And this is ridiculous, right? This is not this is not something the government actually has power over, but that's what they were elected to do. And with everything that kind of blew up today, during the pandemic, you've seen Dr. Hinshaw saying things like she was pleading with people, even in her even in her Twitter threads after her updates, even if she really didn't push, you know, how important this really is, her Twitter update would actually include a lot of that. Please, please follow these mandates. Please mask up when you're going out. You know, please follow the public health orders. And meanwhile, you have the 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 talking heads from the UCP going economy, 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 which sends this message of this is what's important, not public health. So again, seeing this this morning, just kind of reaffirmed to people that that's what was going on, at least during the summer and very likely now. Well, yeah, and I think really when you're watching, when I'm watching Dr. Hinshaw in these press conferences, I find it so painful because I know with a pretty strong certainty that she is recommending a whole lot that is not coming through in policy. I mean, I don't know her personally, but I know people who know her and she has a certain reputation among my people and she's not stupid. (laughs) Frankly, she is not this policy. And um, so it is painful to watch her be so diplomatic about what is being brought forth in policy. And also it was painful to listen to her today be so incredulous about the whistleblower and, you know, talking about, what what did she say? Uh, This is not how democracy works. Yes. Well, it is. We should not (laughs) be divided. And it's just sort of, I mean what you're you're blaming the whistleblower for the problems in democracy in Alberta and you're blaming that person for dividing Alberta because the big elephant in the room here is that the UCP is actually the problem you know so okay fine um there's there's a lot of 
mixed messaging because there is indeed a lot of mixed messaging. <laughs> and, and so she is doing her best because she thinks it's her role to communicate what the government has decided. She's doing her best to do that. And she, I don't know how she does it. I really don't know how she does yeah. it. I suspect she cries herself to sleep every night. And, um, you know, but she still does it because she really believes firmly in the position as she understands it. I, so, I think that's um, something important that we, we have to really stress too. Uh, I have faith in Dr. Dina Hinshaw. I if have she were running the show, I would have 100% faith. Yes. I, and I also have faith that right now she is doing the absolute best she can within the confines of the current situation. Um, I fear that when the, public, when the public blames Dr. Hinshaw, when they expect more from her than they're expecting from our premier, the public is allowing the premier to literally hide behind the skirt, to hide behind the periodic table dress of Dr. Dina Hinshaw. Stop scapegoating the woman. Exactly. Stop scapegoating the woman. It's awful. If we can (laughs) stop attacking our chief medical officer of health and making her responsible for everything when she is doing the best she can with what she's been given. That would be a wise decision on all of our parts. And frankly, I feel a little bit, um, uh, what is that movie, A Few Good Men? I want Dr. Dina Hinshaw on that wall. I need her on that wall. And the last thing anything any of us should want at this point is for Hinshaw to be out and some UCP appointee who will give them exactly what they want and echo back to them what they want in that position. I really feel as though Dr. Dina Hinshaw is the one thing standing between us and complete catastrophe right now. I think the, the hiding behind the skirts thing is, is so important. I think it's, it's really an area where Alberta has fallen short. I think in some provinces, they've done a better job of having the government's uh, public health policies which they're very clear is a balance between political economic health factors. And then they have the chief medical officer of health and they're allowing that person to, to express more about the, the science. And in this case, they're forcing her to be a front for their, their ridiculous policies. You know, a few weeks ago when she got up and said, Oh, we're ordering gatherings limited to 15 people. That's not, that's not science to support you yeah. hanging out with as many groups of 15 people as you like. Um, and, and, and the government should have been the ones owning that. And instead, this government is having her go to these press conferences and, and, and uh, gives legitimacy to policies that shouldn't have legitimacy. And meanwhile, they're trying to cram through legislation on red tape and giving breaks to the insurance companies. Why are we doing any of that right now? Other provinces are not, are not cramming through new bills every single week. They're, they're trying to manage COVID. And in, on, on Monday, when this government was trying to sort all of this out, they're in the Legislative Assembly debating a red tape reduction act. Yeah. Well, we have a government and a premier that are married to their ideology above and before all else. And unfortunately, that is not going to serve this province during a pandemic. I mean, I, I, I don't envy the premier. Um, I, can, I cannot imagine 
what it's been like for every member of our government, every member of our opposition. It's a difficult, difficult time for every government across this country. However, Jason Kenney ran for the job. Jason Kenney wanted the job. Jason Kenney got the job. Mr. Kenney, do your damn job. One of the things that Dr. Henshaw clarified during the update today was that she was not an elected official. Well, and that's, that's actually how I wrote it down. It seems like it's democracy versus public health. That's right. Dr. Henshaw was not elected. Dr. Henshaw has her role right now because of her experience, because of her education, because of the work that she has put in, in public health. We elect anyone, right? We will elect anyone, especially in Alberta. (laughs) That's right. We don't care what their background is. I, I fully agree with her. She's not an elected official. She is not there to pander to the voters. That is not her role. Her role is to protect public health. <laughs> the public, emer- uh, public Health Emergency Act does give her all of the power oh, yeah. that she needs. Granted, the UCP already went in with Bill 10 to usurp that, but yeah. there's a reason that that is not an elected position because it's not a political position. This is a medical position that we need to protect the health of the people in this province. Well, let's talk for a second, too, about their official response to that report, because if I was shocked by the the leaked tapes, I was even more shocked by the statement that came out of the premier's office. So I think I'm just going to read it and then maybe we can have a little discussion. This is from, uh, I understand, don't quote me on this because I I can't get a precise name, but I understand this is the statement as per the Premier's Deputy Press Secretary in response to the CBC story about the leaked audio. In a democracy, it ultimately falls to duly elected officials to make such large-scale decisions. That is not political interference. It is the elected government that is directly responsible to Albertans. So far, so good. I I think we can go with that. The government continues to work with our experts, including Chief Medical Officer of Health, Hinshaw, to protect lives and livelihoods. Yes, the government must look out for both health considerations and the economy. I'm sure you can appreciate that not everyone has the luxury of receiving a guaranteed (laughs) paycheck from a state-funded broadcaster which receives over (sighs) 1.2 billion tax dollars every year. That is not a professional statement from a deputy press secretary That is a rebel media style rant that adds nothing to the conversation that doesn't do anything to alleviate the fears of Albertans or to instill trust in the government and our CMOH. And on top of that, it just further fuels the fires of division. Well, yeah, exactly. And Dr. Hinshaw was saying we must not be divided. And it's very true, but the government is actively doing that at every opportunity even in the middle of a pandemic yeah sorry Lorian, go ahead no no i was just gonna say they talk a big talk about democracy but you know what's undemocratic is attacking private citizens on twitter to suppress (laughs) dissent 
Yes. Blocking people on Twitter has been found in, in the U.S. to be a, a violation of free speech. And, and there was a Canadian case along those lines, too. Their behavior is, is, is what's undemocratic. They can't accept any criticism in any reasonable criticism is, is met with insults and, and snark. And, you know, when I've been critical of them, they've tagged my employer in yeah. hopes that they'll <laughs> silence me. Like that oh, is ridiculous yeah. and undemocratic behavior. So yeah, they yeah. to be concerned about democracy is, is laughable. Yeah, yeah, they they pay people, they pay staffers more than any nurse I know to spend all day on Twitter and insult us. Mm-hmm. And that is their their form of dealing with any dissent. And this this response today from the premier's office is just another insult. I'm so disappointed that even in the face of a massive leak that has damaged them horribly, it's damaged them regardless of what anyone thinks of the whistleblower, their response is just more meanness and more snideness and more attacks. That is a sign of how unprofessional they are and how how they're not handling any of this competently. They They weren't prepared for any sort of dissent when they took power. Do you think too that that their reaction and specifically that particular reaction to this, it takes the focus off of what the problem was in the first place and now people are looking at and spending time talking about what their reaction was rather than what the initial problem was to begin with. And the initial problem that a lot of people found, um, and and granted, didn't they say that there were a number 20, about 20 different recordings that they went through? And when Dr. Henshaw said during her, her presser this afternoon that, well, these were taken out of context. And I'm thinking, the first thing I thought of was there's 20 different recordings. They summarized, a lot. right? They summarized, it, it wasn't a big article. Uh, I was kind of like, of well, they did. they're going to be, you know, kind of cherry picked. That's a lot of information to but write they one did, article about. They did say in the article, and I think it's important that, you know, we, we be factual about it. Mm-hmm. Even in the article, it says that CBC only gave portions of transcripts to their expert and to other people. From the University of Alberta. Yeah. So I didn't write his name down. Even um, the, well, I think that was... Uh, I always get his name right. It's Ubaka. Yes, I Thank adore you. him. He's fabulous. <laughs> he is fabulous. We, but we we were we're, uh, we're we're co-authoring pals, so he, we he's all the time. He's awesome. But even then, he only got to see part of the transcripts because they only gave Released him part. Him. So okay. we don't know. And I I think we have to be upfront about that. We don't know what the entirety of the, the tapes were. We don't know what specific experts have been given or pundits have been given. We don't know. Regardless, it's still, it's, I understand Hinshaw saying this is a violation of trust. It's a violation of their code, but this government has violated our trust time yeah, over and time and over. again. And we finally had enough. So if if the populace at large isn't feeling too badly about these tapes having been leaked, well, the government did it to themselves because we can't trust them. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think too the whole response has been has been concerning. Any reasonable government, if this happened, 
They'd have the Premier, the Minister of Health at the press conference wanting to regain the trust of the public and to explain things. Instead, we're getting attacks on the media, snarky statements about academics. We're getting, uh, you know, the Legislative Assembly going ahead today as usual, talking about, you know, their usual their usual sort of business. Uh, we have Hinshaw criticizing the whistleblower. Like it's deflect, deflect, deflect. There's no, you know, what you want from a politician in this moment is for them to sit before the public and to honestly address the concerns with trust and the concerns with the balance that's been struck between, they say lives and livelihoods. I think it's the other way around, livelihoods and lives. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that's, that's what you want from a leader. You want leadership. You don't want somebody hiding away and, and pretending nothing happened and having the, his, his employees pick on people on Twitter. But our political culture has really changed a lot. And I think the fact that they can get away with this, I mean, they're polling not great right now, but they're still polling better than I would like them to, given their <laughs> abhorrent behavior. Mm-hmm. It's just even so politics aside, you know, right wing, left wing, I, I, I in this moment, you know, I, I, they're so they're so disrespectful and so unable to follow basic democratic principles that I am shocked that they still have 40% of Alberta thinking it's okay. And so, um, you know, I totally lost my train of thought. I hate it when that happens. It's the trickle-down economics. People people bought the myth of the trickle-down economics. Oh, right. Yeah, they bought that. And But the other thing is this seems so steeped in toxic masculinity. We're in a place where our political culture thinks toxic masculinity is leadership and that as long as you don't back down and are kind of a jerk to people who disagree with you, that's what real leadership looks like.